0: month of November, uh, we've been in a series that we're calling thanks and giving. Uh, I've said this each week, but Thanksgiving is more than a day where we gorge ourselves, although we did, where we watch football, and we did, and where we try to not say anything offensive to an in-law. I'm pleased to report to you today mission accomplished uh, this week I, I don't think I've said anything offensive uh, well you can ask her later okay <laughs> but here's the truth that that I've wanted you to embrace through this series thankfulness everybody say thankfulness and our ability to give both thanks and because of it is a biblical command and it's necessary it's a necessary key to to unlocking the potential that God has for us. There are some commands in Scripture. Uh, The Bible's full of them, actually, and they are non-negotiable. We've got to do them. And here's one, the one that we've really used as our primary text for these last few weeks. It's in 1 Thessalonians 5.18. It reads, In everything, give thanks. Not in some things. Not in the things we like. Not in the times that are good, but in everything give thanks. Why? For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Thanks and giving. So, week one, we, as you turn in your Bibles to John chapter number six, verse 12, in week one, we preached about being whole for the holidays, about how our ability and willingness to be aware of the goodness of God, to be obedient to the commands of God, being willing to be thankful for what we already have, how that creates the environment for God to bring wholeness in our lives. Then in week two, we talked about setting the table and how giving thanks preceded the miracle of the feeding of 5,000, leaving an impression so strong on the God, on John, the disciple, that he remembered the place that the miracle happened by saying it was the place where they ate bread after Jesus had given thanks. There's something That happens. Thanksgiving sets the table on which the miracles and workings of God in your life will be placed. Somebody say amen. And so then last week, Pastor Travis preached to us about leftovers. And uh, I want to just piggyback on uh, his thought a bit as we bring this series to a close. So look with me in John chapter number 6, verse number 12. At the conclusion of that miracle of the feeding of 5,000. It says, so when they were filled, he said to the disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. That's really what I want to focus on today. And then it continued and said, therefore, they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. And so I want to preach to you on this final message of our Thanksgiving series on this thought, the season forgiving. The season forgiving. Before you're seated, would you just close your eyes, bow your heads, and pray with me one more time. Ask God to speak to us through His Word. Lord, we thank You for Your presence that is here in this place today. We thank You for Your Word. Your Word that has life and power and creative ability. And I pray that it would, as it is preached today, that it would speak into every heart and that it would spark new life and new hope and a new future for somebody. That, that while your word is always anointed, that it would anoint my lips as I declare it and that it would touch and anoint every heart to receive it. And everybody said in Jesus' name, Amen." God bless you. You can be seated as I remain standing. So feel sorry for me. I didn't know this. But I I just read that 30% of all contributions that Americans will make will happen in the month of December. It's the season for giving. Of course, at the end of December is the biggest giving day of the year, the one that my two sons um, look most forward to, Thanksgiving. Or, excuse me, Christmas. Yeah, that is not the day they most look forward to. And so, it's fun to get caught up in it. How many likes giving gifts? You be honest and say that that, that it's fun giving gifts. Uh, giving the best gift, of course, uh, becomes the most competitive. At least in my family, uh, with my kids, everybody is looking at the response of the kids to see who wins Christmas this year. That, that, that's the gift I, I picked out. It's nothing like watching just yesterday. Perhaps you saw it on Facebook uh. Uh, we celebrated Christmas early with my in-laws, and, and Remy opened a gift. Actually, nearly every gift. The only gift that she didn't get excited about was the clothes. And so we took note of that. Annie looked at me. She said, remember that. So I don't know that Remy's going to get any clothes for Christmas this year. But when she opened that little Barbie doll up, she just continually exclaimed, look at this, look at that, look at that, look at that. And it was like, man, I wish I had been the one to give her that, that gift. It's the season forgiving. Yet, if we were to be honest today, you and I, so much about our lives are centered around getting instead of giving. Even in our walk with God, if we were to be completely transparent that if, that if we aren't careful, it can become more about what we get from Him instead of what we can give Him. And I believe it's for this reason, and don't get too nervous. This is not a message about giving money today. Some, somebody can just like quit clutching the wallet right now. <laughs> I believe the reason that we uh, focus so much on getting in our lives without uh, the calibration that comes in December, it's because we have a very real enemy, and he knows that there are some things that you can only experience when you give. Through giving, And so our culture that we live in, it minimizes the giving of thanks to a day and the season of giving to a month so that we never experience the beauty and the power that thanks and giving thanks gives us through the year. And so instead we live lives of getting instead of giving and we wonder why it's never enough i got to tell you today this truth. It is not the will of God that we only give thanks one day a year. It's certainly good that we do it on that day. We, it's necessary that we do it on that day. But when we learn to be thankful and we begin to live a life that gives thanks throughout the year, we will live the kinds of lives of abundance that God intends for us to live. And so there's a few truths I want you to understand before we leave here today. And the first one is this. Giving thanks puts us in a place to experience God's presence. Giving thanks puts us in the place where we can experience God's presence. How do we know this? Psalm chapter number 100, verse number 4, says it this way, Enter into His gates with thanksgiving, and into His courts with praise. Be thankful to Him and bless His name. Now there are a few words for Praise and for thanksgiving specifically in the Hebrew, Uh, at least seven of them that you'll find in uh, the Old Testament. And four of those words are found in this one short verse in Psalm, chapter number 100, verse number 4. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. The word that's used there is the word todah. It is like singing with a Thanksgiving choir. It is with, it's like a a great number of voices. And into his courts with tequila. Now that's not tequila, don't get that confused there. Tequila, it means to sing praises. And so you enter into his gates with this voice. Chorus of praise and into his courts with singing praise. And then it says, Be thankful to him. That word is Yada, it means to extend your hands to him and bless his name. It means to kneel in thanksgiving. In other words, in this one short verse, there are these actions that are required to enter into God's presence. And they are actions of singing, actions of thanking God with many voices. It is an action of extending your hands, and it is an action of bowing down and so when you and I that sounds like worship to me when you and I when we come into uh, this gathering where we begin to sing and lift up our voices and begin to lift up our hands and we begin to bow down and all of the things that we do we are unlocking our our ability the, uh, the access point into the presence of God that is why worship is so important that is why the enemy wants to silence our worship because he knows that when we give thanks it puts us in a place where we can experience God's presence. It brings us right into the gate. So it's not a Pentecostal thing. It's not a charismatic thing. It's not a thing that only a few churches do. But it is, it is a very real biblical thing that when we do it, it puts us in God's presence. Amen. Giving thanks should be so central to who we are as followers of Christ. That it causes us to sing His praise, to shout His praise, to lift our hands in praise, and to kneel in praise. Sometimes we, any, anybody remember what it was like the first time you went into a church service where people worship that way? Now, Some of you, maybe it's been a little too long. But when you see people who are worshiping like that for the first time, I got to tell you, these people look weird. How many would be honest and say you thought people were weird when you saw that for the very first time? Come on, somebody. (laughs) When people wave their hands in the air and sing freely and loudly, praying and weeping in church, we may think it's weird when we first encounter it. But the more you get to know about that person's story and their testimony, the more you realize that there is something tied to the way they are and the way that they worship. It is because that there is someone that they are giving thanks to. We don't worship for a show. We don't worship for one another. We don't worship. Even though I got to tell you, when I'm in an environment uh, and there's and there's cameras around, and you see a camera in your face, there's something about you, you want to close your eyes and lift your hands because you don't want the camera to catch you looking around. Anybody would be honest to say that? But I don't worship for anybody else. I I don't lift up my hands for anybody else. And while you may think it looks weird, I'm not doing it for you. I understand that there is a truth of Scripture that when I worship, that it puts me in the place that I can experience God's presence. So when you need to be in God's presence, you need to block everybody else out, and you need to begin to think of the goodness of Jesus and all that He's done for you, and you need to begin to worship Him. And maybe the way you worship looks different than the way I worship, but it is A command of scripture. We are commanded to give thanksgiving to God. And so it's a good thing to lift up your voice every once in a while. It's a good thing to lift up your hands every once in a while. It's a good thing to sing out loud every once in a while. Even if you don't have a very good voice. And if you don't know if you do, then ask your spouse. They'll tell you. But we understand the longer we are in church that there is something that happens when we worship God. That is unexplainable. It puts us in the place where God's presence is. If you say, I, I want to feel God's presence, you, you should worship Him. You say, I, I need to feel the peace of God in my life. You should worship Him. You say, I, I don't know how I'm going to make it through what I'm going through. You should Worship Him. And you say, I don't know how to worship. Well, it just starts with giving thanks. You can start with saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your love. Thank you, Jesus, for your mercy. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. You'll never be a worshiper until you're grateful. And so once you acknowledge what God has done for you, you're going to be a worshiper. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to be a worshiper like Jim is a worshiper. Thank God, we all can't be like that. Doesn't mean you're gonna be a worshiper like I'm gonna be a worshipper or or or, uh, like Richard's gonna be a worshiper. Sometimes I look back and Richard is like spinning there in the back. Thank God everybody's not a worshiper like that. People would really think we were weird if everybody was spinning when they would come to church. But the reality is every one of us have a command to worship. And whatever it looks like for you, you gotta just make sure that you're doing something to give thanks to God. Because when we worship God, when we give thanks, it puts us in a place. To experience God's presence. And so when you have this thanks, you have to give it. Now, go with me now back to the miracle of the feeding of 5,000. There were two acts of thanks that created the environment for the miracle to happen. We preached about... The act of thanks where Jesus, he gave thanks and then he broke bread and he began to pass it out. That there was that moment of thanks that created the atmosphere for the miraculous. But there was of course the other act of giving that, that, that preceded the miraculous meal. And it was the giving of the young boy, the one who had the five loaves and two fishes. The Bible says he gave that. And Jesus took it and he gave thanks and broke the bread. So there are these two acts of thanks that set the table. That's what we preached about there in week two. And if you missed it, you can go back and find it on the podcast. But I want you to notice what happens at the end of the meal in John chapter number six, verse 12. When they were filled, he said to his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain that nothing may. Be lost. While Jesus had been so focused initially on getting everyone in the position for the miraculous, have everybody sit down, have everybody gather around, and he began to break the bread, he met the needs of the crowd. Everyone, of course, no doubt, was thankful for the meal that they had just had. Everyone had just gotten as much as they wanted. It was a great Thanksgiving meal if ever there was one, although there was no turkey there at that meal. And Jesus says, go and gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. And here's what I believe that Jesus was doing and what we must do in our lives. He refused, Jesus did. To let this miraculous moment just be momentary. He wanted the blessing to continue. And so, he saw this awful lot of uneaten bread. The leftovers that Pastor Travis preached about last week. And he said to his disciples, we can't waste this moment content with the fact that we are satisfied. Because there are others who need what we have. And what we don't give will be lost. He didn't gather up the fragments that remain in case somebody else had a second wind. He didn't gather them up in case somebody decided that they wanted another portion. No, everybody had gotten all that they wanted. And then Jesus said, gather up what remains so that nothing is lost. Because there is a principle in Scripture that we must embrace in our lives. If we want to see God's power sustained in us and the blessing of God sustained in our lives. And it is that what we don't give will be lost. Here's the truth I want you to understand. Giving back causes the miracle that you've received to live on. Let me share the truth with you this way. Your breath is essential. How many knows that you need it? You know, like, it is a compliment for some reason to say to a spouse, you take my breath away. I don't know why that's a compliment, because if they do that too often, you're going to die. <laughs> but it's essential and valuable and necessary as your breath is. The key to you living isn't holding on to it. It's giving it back. And if you only considered your breath's value and your need for it, you might be tempted to hold on to it. After all, I'm only going to have so many of these. There's only so much of this. And so you take a big deep breath and you hold it in. And yet in so doing, you stop the miracle from living in your life. The miracle of breathing, of breath, only lives on when we give it back. The world, of course, would be such a better place if we would learn this principle. But I didn't come to preach to the world today. I want to preach to the church. The church would be a better place if we would learn this principle. If you would consider, this is going to hurt, so hide your toes for a moment, that God has been good to you. And if that consideration would cause you to give goodness to someone else, say your spouse, the miracle could live on. If you would consider that God has forgiven you, and then you would give forgiveness to someone who hurt you, then the miracle would live on but the problem is in our lives we want to hold on to the stuff that remains, we want to hold on to the little bit that we have and so we don't give it because we have a scarcity mindset we don't think that there's enough of it to go around because we forget of how abundant and how great the gift that God has given us is so we don't want to give any of it out we forget that God has forgiven us of a lot of things so we don't want to forgive our parent for what they did to us, we we forget that God has been good to us and so in some doing we're not good to the people around us but the only way that the miracle lives on in our lives is if we give what is left behind from what God has given us it's this principle perhaps you've read of it It, uh, I read how one day this happened for over two two days straight at a drive-in the 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 movement is called pay it forward where you pay for the person who is coming up behind you and uh i got to be honest, I've been in those situations before, perhaps you have as well, or you pull up, and, and initially the news is met with glee, you don't have to pay for your meal, but then you realize that you've got to pay for the person behind you, and maybe you were the only one in the car, and you don't know how many people are in the car behind you. <laughs> There's a whole family back there, and they're all hungry, and all I had was a Diet Coke. Huh. <laughs> The truth is, though, the only way that miracle lives on is is if you participate in it. And so Jesus says to the disciples, "I, I don't want this life, this, this moment of where I gave thanks and where this little boy gave something where you we were blessed by what somebody else did for you. I don't want it to die right here because I know how fleeting your memory is and in just a bit they're going to be in a boat and they're not going to even consider the miracle of the loaves and fishes. So he's like, I want something to happen that will cause the miracle of, of this moment to live on. So I want you to go and I want you to gather up everything that remains so that that we can give the leftovers to somebody else. And this is the truth of Scripture that's hard for us to read, but it's so powerful in, in, in the words of Jesus when it says in Luke chapter number 12, verse 48 But someone who does not know and then does something wrong will be punished only lightly. When someone has been given much, much will be required in return. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. I preach to you today here for these next few moments and tell you that after we've considered the goodness of God, after we've considered the gratefulness and all of the things that we've preached about over these last few weeks, and we've got to consider that. We've got to pause and, and, and give thanks to God. We've got to pause and consider the blessings of God in our lives, but if we are not careful, we will stop at that day, and we will walk away from the table satisfied, thanking God for all of His goodness, and we will leave stuff behind when, when God wants us to take what we have been given, and He wants us to give it out to others God wants to take the goodness that we have and give goodness to somebody else God wants us to take the forgiveness that we've received and give it to somebody else God wants us to take the love and the kindness and the joy and the goodness and all of those things that we have and he wants us to give it to others so that the miracle can live on giving thanks creates the atmosphere for God to work in our lives It creates the environment. It gets us in the presence of God. But but giving thanks is not the thing that causes it to live on. Oh, no, 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 no. It's giving back. That's what causes the miracle that you've received to live on. And finally, the third truth that I preach to you and share with you today is this. Giving can't be just seasonal. One of the, the most disturbing stories of Scripture to me, Jesus is walking along with his disciples in Bethany. He finds a fig tree. The Bible says it has leaves, but it has no fruit. And Jesus gets so upset, he's hangry, I guess, I don't know, that he curses the fig tree. The next day the disciples come back and they see the tree. It's dead. That fig tree was cursed, not because it wasn't living, it was alive, but because it wasn't giving. It was waiting for a season of giving. And if we are not careful, we will live our lives in a way where when we are reminded of it, or when the atmosphere is right, when the conditions are perfect, when our financial situation is in the right place, when we feel like everything is going right, then we will look for an opportunity to be a giver, to give back, to be a blessing to others, to, to be kind to others. I'm, again, I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about the way that we live a life of giving to others and giving back and being being what God has called us to be. And, 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 and we'll just treat it as seed. Well, well. when things are going well, then I'll be good. When, when, when I'm in a good place emotionally, then I'll treat other people right. When Jesus is saying, if you want the miracles to exist and continue in your life, then giving cannot just be seasonal. That is why it says in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, In everything, give thanks. That's in every circumstance. That's every season, be a giver. Then, let that thanks compel you to live in a way that causes the miracle to live longer. Winston Churchill said it this way, We make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. And so I challenge you here, as we enter into this season of giving, and you stand to your feet, that we cannot let... The fullness of our abundance, our blessing, our goodness. All of the things that God has done in our lives. That we cannot let it fill us up without it changing the way that we live afterwards. We've got to make every season a season for giving. Luke chapter number 12 verse number 15 is... D.J. makes his way. Jesus says in Luke 12, verse 15, Then he said, Beware. Guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. And then he told him a story. A rich man... Had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what what should I do? I I don't have room for all of my crops. This is the same position that that these disciples, these 5,000, they had gotten everything that they needed. And then he said, oh, I know. I'll I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. I'll sit back and I'll say to myself, my friend... You have stored away for years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink, and be wary. Mary, he was living a life of getting instead of giving. But God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? Now, let me just issue this disclaimer. God is not against us having stuff. He's just against stuff having us. And the measure of whether something has you is if you're able to let it go. So he says to the rich young ruler, you want to be my disciple? Sell everything that you have. Follow me. And he was sorrowful. He just had this incredible opportunity, this great moment. But he was sorrowful because he had a lot of stuff. See, that stuff had him. And so Jesus is saying, hey, you've been blessed. You're full. You've got everything that you need. Now make sure you go out and you gather up the fragments that remain. And that principle is throughout the Scripture. Farmer, he said, in the Old Testament, when you go and you plow a field, and you and the crop comes forth, he said, the corners, don't you take them, you leave them. And if something falls while you're harvesting, don't go back and pick it up, you leave it. So that somebody else can come and gather up the fragments. And so I ask you today, when you examine your life, when you examine your actions, even when you examine your checkbook, are you living a life of getting or giving? And while this season can be a season for giving, we show our affection, our love for family and friends. For the church, there is a higher calling. For you and I, there is a higher calling. Every season must be a season for giving, both to God and to others. Thanks and appreciation. The church people ought to be the most appreciative, kindest people that anybody meets. You gotta find somebody, to say thanks. You gotta find somebody and do something kind for them. You gotta be the kind of person that other people are affected by. It's a season for giving. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I know it's perhaps kind of a unique, maybe even heavy message. Because honestly, it confronts me and it confronts us where we are in this culture of getting but the word of God it tells us so powerfully that if we are willing to give back to not hold on to everything God has given us that it will keep the miracle alive and there will be more breakthroughs and more blessing more abundance give and it shall be given pressed down shaking together running over should men give to your bosom and we quote that about giving money and it but it's not just about giving money we can't make it about money it's about life it's about kindness you give kindness to people you'll get kindness back you you give love to people you'll get love back you give forgiveness to people you'll get forgiveness back good measure pressed down shaking running over so i ask you as we begin to sing for just a moment believe the power of the word of God is connected to our ability and our willingness to respond to it and so I'm going to ask you that you would take a moment and that you would respond right there where you're standing now a response certainly can't be measured just in a moment especially a response to a message like this but perhaps there's something that you could say that you could commit to in response and say I'm going to do that perhaps there's somebody that you've been holding onto a grudge Unforgiveness in your heart. Somebody did you wrong, something happened, a family member said something, whatever it may be, I I don't know. But perhaps this could be the beginning of a season, a life of giving. Where you say, I'm going to forgive. I'm going to let that go. Because God has given me so.